Schlag, the master Kabbalist, known as the Bala Sulam, teaches that the Torah is the record of the revelation of God to the human being. This revelation is not time-bound, meaning an event that only happened once, 3,000 years ago, but all events are in the now. The Torah does not recognize past, present or future, but the human being is considered as a complete world and all processes recorded in the Torah have the potential of being present within our consciousness now. Nowhere is this as clear as in the telling of the story of the children of Israel in Egypt. Last week, we looked at a letter that the Baal Sulam wrote to his pupils in which he teaches how the children of Israel became enslaved. Their enslavement started with an inner enslavement. All slavery begins with an inner slavery. What does this imply? Inner slavery implies that instead of choosing my own inner values and being free to act upon them, I'm listening to an inner compulsion, a compulsion of the ego which I don't seem to be able to get out of. In our modern world, it's only too easy to think what these inner compulsions could be. They could be the law of material goods, the pursuit of honour. Many of us find ourselves acting with addictive behaviour in the new world of media and information that surrounds us. Each of us has his or her own temptation. But in our saner moments, we know that this is not the way we want to live. We make a resolution that from now on, we will pursue a better way of life. We will manifest a clearer expression of our true values. And we promise ourselves that from now on, we will live according to the values of our soul. But despite our very best intentions, something always seems to happen to thwart us. Somehow we don't find ourselves able to uphold what we decided, what we resolved on. Why is this? Why is it so hard to carry our good resolutions through? The Torah describes this enslavement in the following words, Exodus chapter 114. And they embittered their lives with hard labour, with clay and with bricks, and with all kinds of labour in the fields. All the work with which they enslaved them was with back-breaking labour. Looking at this from our inner perspective, Rabbi Ashlag writes, Clay, in Hebrew, is the word chemal. The same word, chamor, in Hebrew, means serious. On the inner, this implies that the Egyptians enslaved the children of Israel through the most serious sin of all, which is idol worship. But the Egyptians do not just exist in history, they are an aspect of our ego today. There is some aspect of our personality, of our ego, which is enticing us to an idol worship and then enslaves us. Earlier we mentioned some of our modern day idols. But anything which we put first other than God is an idol. For most sins, a person is not considered liable if he just considers doing it, but manages to stop himself and doesn't actually do it in practice. 
But idol worship is a sin for which a person is held liable even when he does not actually commit any physical act. And this is because it is a sin of the mind and of the heart. When we are totally separated from God, we've put something else first. Instead of serving God, we are serving ourselves. We commit idol worship when we put the demands of our ego before the service of God. And thus we are enslaved, an inner slavery to our ego. And just like the Pharaoh of old, the ego is not going to just let us go. If you remember, the Torah states that the oppression with which the children of Israel were oppressed is with clay and bricks. We discussed clay, Rabbi Ashrak carries on. The word for bricks in Hebrew, levanim, has the inner meaning of tshuva, repentance, from the Hebrew word lavan, meaning white. This means that the children of Israel did receive some light. Whenever they recalled their holy fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and the values they had taught them, and they reconnected with the mercy of God that Joseph taught them, they merited again the light of God. But this return was only temporary. So they were going back and forth. And this is according to the inner meaning of all the work of the field. In other words, this problem began to affect all their spiritual work, which is implied in the term all the work of the field, and affected every aspect of their service to God. We can certainly see this process within ourselves. We get the good resolutions, we see what we need to do, we connect with the Torah, but then the actual doing of it doesn't seem to come through, and we are like tossed in a sling, backwards and forwards, until all our spiritual work is affected. The, the slavery in Egypt, we are taught, was not just a physical slavery. Much worse was the spiritual slavery. And this indeed is what we ourselves experience. We feel the turmoil of one moment running after the fulfilment of the ego's desires, and the next moment feeling the suffering and the sorrow of the exile. For the exile means separation, separation from God. Indeed, the Hebrew word for exile, gola, is only one letter away from the Hebrew word geula, the difference between them being the letter aleph. And aleph is the one. As we say every day, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. When we come back to God, we return in repentance and are one with the will to have faith, the will to act on our faith. But, just like the Israelites of old and ourselves now, we are not able to bring it through in practice. Like these Israelites of old, they wanted to, and we need to discover what stopped them. What stopped them was the inner Pharaoh. What is our inner Pharaoh? For Pharaoh is likewise represented within us. Rabbi Ashlag teaches that the name Pharaoh can be said to be made up of two Hebrew words, per, ra, evil mouth. In order to understand the significance of this, we need to know that all the Svirot may be referred to in the Kabbalah by names which relate to the face. 
in the eyes of Chokhmah, the ears Bina, and so on. The mouth relates to the sphere of Malchut, the sphere of the governance of one's inner consciousness. This sphere, the sphere of Malchut, governs what we do in actual practice. For just like the mouth guards the connection between the head and the body as of the person, so does the sphere of the Malchut guard the connection between the potential and the actual. It is the sphere of Malchut which decides are we going to act in accordance with our will of holiness, our will for connection with the divine, our will for connection with the Aleph, the one, or are we going to act in accordance with the dictates of our ego? And what the children of Israel found was happening was that when they were faced with the choice of the ego, also called the will to receive oneself alone, or the possibility of the will to give unconditionally to God or to each other, they were choosing the will to receive for themselves alone every time. This is what is known as the inner slavery. This is the spiritual slavery which the children of Israel suffered under the Egyptians. It is the same for us. Even though we know what is right in our mind, in our thought, and we want to keep to the good and the right, we are enslaved to our inner pharaoh. Our allegiance to the evil governance means we are unable to maintain our resolve in practice, and thus we fall down again. This is the klipa of pharaoh within us. It is the part of the ego which blocks the actual practice of giving unconditionally. And indeed, Rabbi Ashtak writes that this is the inner meaning of the Midrash, that no slave was able to escape from Egypt because Pharaoh had placed a spell on the gateways of Egypt. The problem was made worse, both for us and for the children of Israel, through the light that Pharaoh did allow them to gain. The positive thoughts, the positive resolutions, prevent us from seeing the truth. Because we're getting the light in potential, we think we've got it, and we lower our guard. It's the light in potential that prevents us from understanding that this inner pharaoh is our enemy. It's like being deluded into thinking that we can serve both God and pharaoh at one and the same time, having our cake and eating it. And this was the trap the children of Israel could not get out of. What is the nature of this inner pharaoh? The scripture enlightens us. It tells us that when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh to announce their mission, this is what happened. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. It is the total denial of God. We connect with that inner Pharaoh, with that little voice, which again asks the question inside of us, Who is God? that I should listen to his voice. This is the Pharaoh within, against whom only God can prevail. Rabbi Ashlag explains 
the scripture states, However, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go except through a mighty hand. God announced through Moses' his servant that no power in the world helps against this evil keeper, this evil aspect of the ego, because it may only be subdued by God himself in his glory and in his power. As we learn in the Passover Haggadah, I am not an angel, I am not a messenger. And this is the inner meaning of, and I will stretch forth my hand and smite the Egyptians with all my miracles that I will wreak in their midst, and afterwards he will send you out. Only through the help of God alone can we defeat our inner Pharaoh. Indeed, the exodus from Egypt is relevant to each one of us every single day. What is the means by which we can ask God to defeat our inner Pharaoh? It is through prayer and faith. Indeed, it was prayer that started off the whole of the redemption. As the scripture teaches, Now it came to pass in those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed from the labour, and they cried out, and their cry ascended to God from the hard work. And God heard their cry, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the children of Israel, and God knew. The cry to God, the turning to God in prayer, is the first step in getting rid of the inner Pharaoh, the acknowledgement that we cannot do it on our own. Rabbi Baruch Shalom Halevi Ashlag, in his book of articles, writes as follows. The Lord said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh. For I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order that I may place these signs of mine in his midst. On this the Zohar asks, Surely the scripture should have said, Go to Pharaoh, lech el paro, instead of which it says, Bo el paro, come to Pharaoh. The reason it says, Come to Pharaoh, is that you and I will go together, for only God can wage war against the Pharaoh within. The answer to our inner Pharaoh is through faith in God and giving prayer to God, and faith that he both wants to help us and he can help us, and prayer to make the connection. It was this teaching of faith that was the message that Moses brought to the people. And this is why Moses is referred to as the faithful shepherd. But a better translation of the Aramaic Raya Mahimana is in fact the shepherd of faith. For Moses taught faith to the children of Israel then and helped redeem them from Egypt and teaches it to us now to redeem us from our own inner Egypt. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online 
details at www.nahoaschool.com or www.nahoapress.com.